Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallach. What comes before anything? What if we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you need. What's going on, people? Happy Sunday. Uh, myself, Peter Dewey, along with Ian McMillan, little bet and breakfast action for you on it. Really a jam-packed uh, Sunday. We got final round of the PGA Championship, three NHL playoff games, an NBA playoff game. It's a big day. Ian, how you doing, my man? I'm doing fine. I still uh, need to continue to petition for us to change the theme song because uh, the longer the MLB season goes on, the more stupid I sound saying the Yankees are done. Uh, <laughs> so I still need to get after the powers that be because we got to change that. The Yankees are in fact not done. We also, I feel like everybody's uh, everybody's claim in that intro is like it's real tough because none of us picked Aaron Rodgers to win the uh, MVP either. Yeah. And so like, I'm hearing my Lamar Jackson take from like week six and I'm like, yeah, he was pretty good then. And then he played like five games the rest of the season, but Hey, it's well, if we kind of wait long enough, the Lamar Jackson take will then become relevant again. It's true. We'll come around. I mean, I am, I'm back on the Lamar uh, MVP train for sure this year, but. Um, and the other thing that uh, you mentioned, James back pack sports Sunday, um, formula one race just wrapped up Max Verstappen won again. Mm. So shout out Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen, man, I it's weird now. Like, I mean, Verstappen was really good, but it's weird that uh, Lewis Hamilton is just nowhere to be found anymore. I'm like kind of sad that he's not. Yeah, he's not, not even the best driver with Mercedes. George Russell has been doing much better. Another podium finish for George Russell today. So uh, strange, very strange. Yeah. Looks like very he'll weird. never get the solo record for most drivers' championships in Formula One history. So sad. Yeah, that's tough. Speaking of uh, sad endings tiger woods pulled out of the pga championship yesterday any thoughts on that you kind of expect him expected him to do that after a, a rough round three yeah smart move to be honest he probably should have done it i kind of wished he was going to miss the cut not only did i have a bet on him to miss the cut um i think he ended up making it by one but um he's not he wasn't looking good he, he was looking good at the start of round one and then he tweaked something and even at the start of round two i know round two he i think he shot one under mm-hmm. um He's still he's he's hobbling around out there, and this is not the tournament that he's going to be able to contend in. I want him to rest up, um, even not even for the U.S. Open, the British, they call it the Open Championship, the British Open in August now because it's at St. Andrews, and that's his favorite course on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's won there twice before. Um, so I want to see that's where I want to see the best version of Tiger Woods. So if that means pulling out at these majors, if he knows he's not going to contend, then please do. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it I makes sense. Him hobbling around and shooting eight over again, like I just I don't need to see that. That's that's the thing that's it's like frustrating because he plays he, like he played well on Friday, and you're like okay, and then it's just like Saturday, it's like it's a completely different guy, and it's just his I, you can tell his body is just not 
Like he, I don't know if he can hold up for four rounds right now. Like I think he needs to give himself no. more time. Like it's, it's a little much. Um, but speaking of PGA Championship, we got Sunday. Mito um, Pereira is that how you say his name? He's yep. leading. He is the leader right now. Uh, Will Zalatoris behind him, minus six in second. Who do you think is going to win? Do you have any any uh, plays still alive at this point um, to win it all? Yeah, so one of my pre-tournament picks is actually Matt Fitzpatrick. I got him at 50-1, to one, so I'll be sweating that out. He's tied with Will Zalatoris, three strokes back. Um, so, yeah, it's Mito Pereira, nine under. Fitzy and Will Zalatoris at six under. And then Cameron Young at five under. Abraham Manser at four under. So when you look at the odds, it kind of drops off after the top four guys. Um, I think it's going to come down to if Mito Pereira can hold on to this, like can play half decent, he can hold on to this lead. But not only like he's, first of all, has never won a major championship. Second of all, has never won on the PGA Tour in general. Third of all, this is a very, very difficult course. So even though he's deservingly, you know, being the favorite, guys who have never won before, especially if they're at a major championship, that's a lot to handle when you know that there are some guys right behind you. Uh, so I think it's going to be tough for him to hold on the lead. But if he stays cool, he can certainly do it. But I think even though I already have a pre-tournament pick on Matt Fitzpatrick, I think he's probably the best bet to kind of come back and, and, and win this. He's consensus odds have him around plus 350 because he's the most experienced. Zalatoris still doesn't have a win on the PGA Tour. Cameron Young, I believe, has a win uh, but he's certainly not a guy that's ever really contended at, at, at a major event before. So Matt Fitzpatrick hasn't won in North America before, but he has seven wins on the European European tour, two of those being like two of their like major, you know, tournament kind of things. So okay. he's won in big spots before. Um, that was a big reason kind of why I like him this week, because the he actually plays well in this windy weather because he's from England. Like every time they've golfed since they were a kid, it was windy weather. So yeah. I think I think the course suits him well. I think he has the most experience of the guys at the top. Um, I think if you're going to live bet, uh, and actually my best bet is going to be a matchup bet, so stay tuned for that as well. But I think if you're going to live bet a winner, uh, I think you might want to go actually down further on the odds list. Maybe like even this sounds crazy because he's I think like he's seven strokes back, six strokes back. Justin Thomas at twenty-five to one. Because if Mito if Mito stumbles and it kind of opens up this entire leaderboard, because if, mm-hmm. if Justin Thomas can shoot like five under, like a six under, seven under might win this tournament. So um, with how tough, I mean, we've seen some very good golfers shoot some very bad scores at this course. If this was a birdie fest, it'd be a lot harder to catch up to Mito. Um, but it's not a birdie fest. Mito could shoot four over today, and it wouldn't surprise me. And if yeah. he does, that completely opens up the leaderboard for those guys who are down to like two under, like. Justin Thomas, you obviously have like Bubba Watson and Stewart Sink, but they don't really have the firepower uh, to, to close the gap. Really, the only guy who I think is kind of within reach is Justin Thomas because he has the firepower to do it. So if you're going to lie, bet either go Fitzpatrick if you want someone with shorter odds, then go Justin Thomas at 25 to 1. Will Zalatoris, don't trust him because his putting. His putting was very good first round, but he's one of the worst putters on tour, and he showed it yesterday. Like he lost almost two strokes on the greens yesterday. So. In a championship Sunday, I don't know if he's magically going to figure out the putter uh, out of the blue. So I'd stay away from him as well, and I'd stay away from Cameron Young just due to experience. So, Yeah, Zalat- I was going to ask you about Zalatoris because I was debating about betting on him because he played so well those first two rounds. And I, I watched him, his, like, entire back nine yesterday. And, like, he had, like, a couple par putts, or, like, very makeable putts, and he just, yeah. just missed. And I was like, I mean, the thing I think about Pereira, and you make some great points, 
too. Like he was as high as minus 10 yesterday, went down to minus six and then worked his way back up to minus nine. So it was like, you, you make a great point. Like he could shoot four over, like it could come like four straight holes, like real quick where he yeah. drops off and that kind of opens it up for a ton of different people. Um, but very interesting. The leaderboard's a lot more packed than I thought it was going to be um, with the way that Pereira played yesterday. Like there was enough guys, like I feel like you can say are in contention still. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to, well, Zalatoris is like the best ball striker on tour right now, but his short game is just so bad. So that's why he was like either winning or like co-leading like after the first two rounds because he putt well. He gained 3.59 strokes on the greens on in round one, which is insane. Had a good putting day in round two, 2.59 strokes gained on the green. But then yesterday, like yesterday was how Zalatoris has generally been putting since he's joined the tour, minus 1.44 on the green. Like, he maybe he can putt like he did in round one, and if he does, he could go go ahead and win this. But um, these young guys, it, it's tough for especially if you're already a bad putter to then have to be able to putt in pressure situations. It makes yeah. it that much harder. So I, I don't have a lot of faith in him to be honest. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. Um, we got NHL playoffs today. Three playoff games. I'm going to ask you why did they move? Why is the Panthers are playing back to back days against the the Lightning, is that that's something we're doing here now? I uh, yeah, there was a concert in Florida on Saturday night. Wherever oh. the Panthers play, there was a scheduled concert. I forget who it was. It was some like country singer that I've never heard of. And they had a concert scheduled at the Panthers Arena on uh, Saturday night, so they had to move it to today. Oh my god! I was like, I was so confused by that. I was like, did they get like game to cancel the move? So, but the first thing I want to ask you before we get, we're going to break down all three of these games, but. Which of these four series of these series has been the most intriguing to you that you've, you know, either in terms of like who you think can win the Stanley Cup or just like most interesting to watch for you? Hmm. I think probably the Lightning and the Panthers. Probably because I think it's kind of weird, and I'm gonna sound biased by saying this, but the Lightning have a chance of like every series becoming easier, which is something you never see in the Stanley like in, in any playoffs, in any professional sport. Usually each round is supposed to get more difficult. For the Lightning, it might be each round gets easier. Uh, I mean, it's tough to say about that about the Panthers, who are the President's Trophy winners, the best record in the NHL. But like I've said before, the Panthers aren't really built for playoff hockey, and the Lightning match up really well against them. Uh, and the Leafs gave them everything they could have in round one. Now they might make short work of the Panthers, and then they have probably the Hurricanes, which is a tough matchup in round three. But, like, it's kind of weird how how the, the – I don't think the Lightning might go and win their third straight Stanley Cup, and they might not face another game seven the rest of the way out. So that's interesting. The Avalanche and the Blues have been interesting because I think the Blues still have a chance to upset them, even though uh, they're down 2-1 in the series now. Uh, but obviously the most exciting one is the Battle of Alberta. That series has delivered night in and night out. So if mm-hmm. there's one NHL game I would recommend you watch tonight, uh, it's that because it's been wide open, high scoring, rivals obviously. The Canadian crowds going nuts. So, Battle of Alberta has been great. Let's jump right into the Battle of Alberta. Flames Oilers game three tonight. Flames are minus one twenty favorites on the road. I know you have a best bet in this game. How do you kind of see this one going? So here's the thing with the fl- this series is the Flames are outplaying the Oilers statistically and analytically. Like if you look at the advanced analytics, like Corsi percentage and high danger scoring chances. They're outplaying the Oilers, but their goaltender, Jacob Markstrom, has been terrible. A save percentage of 83.82% so far in the series, which is almost unheard of 
Like for every 10 shots the Oilers are getting, they're like they're almost averaging two goals per 10 shots. Like that's, that's like they may as well have me in net. Like that's <laughs> so like I want to back the Flames because like they're outperforming them. But I'm like, if Jacob Merkstrom doesn't pick things up, like he's going to allow another six goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you watched game one, but they had a 6-2 lead. And yeah. the Flames ended up winning 9-6, which is a crazy hot score in hockey. But uh, Flames goaltender has been terrible. So like I look at this game, I think the only thing you can do is bet the over. Uh, and the odds makers have kind of responded to how the series has gone because the total is at seven, which is an insane amount for a hockey game. But you can get the over at plus 105. And obviously with it being at seven, uh, you have a little bit of safety with a potential push there. So I'm just going to bet mm-hmm. the over and root for goals even though I'm tempted to bet the Flames because they're only minus 120 favorites, and I think they are the much better team. But I, until I see Markstrom have a half-decent game, I can't trust him because he was terrible in, in the first two games of the series. Yeah, and you I believe you said you have the Flames winning it all, right, if I remember correctly? Is that who? Yes, Flames over okay. Hurricanes was my uh, – in, gotcha. in the final was my pre-playoff pick, so – so he's gonna have to pick it up. He's gonna need yes. to. Yes, and I have a very size. I have a sizable bet on them to win the Western Conference at ten to one that I placed back in January. So I, I'm a Flames oh, wow. fan right now. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, talked a little bit about the Lightning. They got Game Three tonight. Very interesting. Lightning are dogs at home. I thought that was kind of uh, a surprising after they played so well in the first two games of the series. Obviously, this team's got a ton of experience. They won back to back Stanley Cups. But um, is there any? In any value in this game? Where, where are you going here? Um, I bet on the Lightning both in the first two games, cash that. I do, like, like I said earlier, I think the Lightning are just match up really well against this Panthers team. I should probably just bet the Lightning again. But, and this is a, like, you shouldn't use this factor when you, when you bet on sports, but like, I feel like the Panthers are going to win one of these games. Uh, and now would be the kind time, time to do it, but that's only like a gut feeling. So because of that, yeah. I'm going to bet on the total instead. Um, I just, the Panthers going down three, nothing just seems tough for the president's trophy winners, but I think the lightning swept them last year. So it could happen. So if you're going to bet aside, I just stick to the lightning, but I'm going to go over six and a half. I think the, the value is a little bit better there. Uh, if you look at the combined expected goals per game so far, it's at 7.02, which would obviously hit the over in this one. Uh, the under hit in the first two games, but like I said, both teams are getting offensive opportunities. They're getting high quality scoring chances. Um, we've just seen some good goaltender play so far. So, I mean, the advanced analytics say it should be a high scoring game based on the first two games. Uh, I'll go over six and a half for that one too and just root for some goals. The other thing I think is interesting because obviously they play game four tomorrow because of, like we mentioned earlier, the con- the concert <laughs> moving, moving the game. So that's weird. I feel like you never really see playoff like a playoff back-to-back um so obviously depending upon how this game goes it's going to kind of change things but do you think there's anything for game four you're going to be looking out for after this game just because like for me I would just be thinking like there's going to be a lot of tired legs like maybe it's worth just playing the underdog because like you're, you're getting more value on that but I I it's just a weird situation like you don't ever see this in the playoffs in any sport where it's I mean you do in baseball but like back-to-back games in a hockey or a basketball playoffs is very weird i think the only thing i'd look for is if this this the game today goes to overtime and if it like goes like deep into overtime then maybe there would be something to said for that but i don't really buy too much in entire legs these guys are peak professional athletes playing in the postseason like i i think they'll, they'll be all right if it goes deep into into overtime then that could be an issue and also another thing is um these are two florida teams too right so like 
Tampa uh, Tampa Bay playing in where? Where do the Panthers play? Miami? I think it's outside of Miami. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. Um, where it is. I mean, it's they're not far away from home. They might even just be sleeping in their own beds. I don't know exactly what the travel situation is like, but it's not like they're you know in a different time zone. You know, uh, getting on the bus, you know, and traveling all around. So uh, they're both they're both in Florida, same time zone. Might even be staying in their own beds. I don't know how far of a drive it is from Tampa Bay to Florida, but or from Tampa Bay to Miami, but. Uh, no, unless the game today goes into overtime, I'm not going to overthink that too much. Okay. All right. I, I respect it. Um, last game of NHL today, Hurricanes against my Rangers, who look dead in the water at this point, um, entering game three. Do you think the Rangers, asking for myself, do you think the Rangers have a shot to, to win a game? And what, where, what are you playing in this one? Uh, I, they have a shot to win. I'm not going to be betting on them. I'm betting on the Hurricanes. <laughs> Um, I, I, I mean, I've been saying it, the, the Rangers did not deserve to win that series against the Penguins. They needed a lot of things to go their way and they all broke right, including the Sidney Crosby injury, bad goaltending from the Penguins. Um, the Hurricanes are the far superior team and they've kind of proven that. Like if you look at expected goals per game, uh, so far in the series, the Hurricanes are at 3.43 and the, uh, Rangers at 2.42. So like a, a full goal difference between the two teams. Rangers are not even averaging 10 high danger scoring chances per game. The Hurricanes defense has just completely shut down their offense. Um, the only way the Rangers can win a game, I think, is if Igor Shosturkin just completely steals one for them. And he's trying. He only allowed two goals uh, in their last game. And the, Hurricane, and the Rangers couldn't score a single goal to give him any support. So, I mean, a goaltender can, you know, stand on his head all he wants and play the best game uh, of the season. But if your team scores zero goals, like, you need to score at least one to win. So, uh, I don't see any reason to stop back in the Hurricanes in this series. I Like I said, I think they're going to make quick work of the Rangers. I think it's going to be done in four or five. Uh, I'll back the Hurricanes again today. But with that being said, I mean, the Hurricanes are up 2-0 on the Bruins in their series last round uh, and then lost every road game, so went all the way to game seven. So maybe we'll see the Rangers tied up these next couple games. But I'll, I'll, I'm, I'd like statistically, and if you look at the analytics, I see no reason to stop betting on the Hurricanes at this point. The thing I'm just thinking about, just listening to what's interesting to me is both the hurricanes and the lightning obviously up to oh could like really make quick work of these series and then play each other in the eastern conference finals so like i wonder if you know there's the somebody is able to pull off a sweep here and they're like hey we're gonna have a couple extra days of rest um instead because that that's very interesting where like you talk about the lightning they might have like an easier path um to the Stanley cup, but like at the same time, if they end up going like six or seven against the Panthers and the hurricanes winning four, like that's not exactly ideal after going seven in the first round too. Yep. Good point. And also who doesn't want to see the legendary two hockey cities of Tampa Bay and Carolina playing in a <laughs> conference final. Nothing says hockey. When you think of Tampa Bay and Carolina, you think hockey. That's the, <laughs> that's the crazy part, dude. None of these cold weather teams, man. Let's go on the Rangers. Come on. We're a cold weather yeah. team. We should be better at hockey. Come on. The Western conference is all, is all like hockey towns. I feel like. And then yeah. the Eastern conferences, except for New York, like three of the four is Southern States. Yeah, that's true. It's all, all down there. Um, we got NBA playoffs too, which is uh what I'm looking forward to tonight. Ian, any chance you watch this game? Game three? Zero. Zero percent chance. No, uh, I will not. Um, Game, I know. I know. Maybe I know, if there's I, a night I, there's no NHL playoffs, um, then maybe I might watch five seconds. Or if it's like a game seven, I might, I'm not tuning into game three. Okay, that's fair. I mean, 
The thing I will say is the last two game sevens from the semifinals were probably the two worst games of the playoffs, like the entire playoffs, which is just figures. Like, go figure. That's the, the luck we get. But we got Mavs Warriors game three tonight. Dallas two and a half point favorites. Totals at 218 and a half at Wimbet. Um, it's going to be an interesting one because Dallas is in the same spot it was in last series. It lost the first two games to Phoenix, came back home, won two games, and then was able to steal game seven on the road to eventually win the series. But I don't I don't know if I believe in this Mavs team. I've been saying it for um, for a while. Like their, their go-to thing against the Suns is they were able to find like a favorable switch for Luka Doncic, whether it was getting him switched on Chris Paul or getting him on DeAndre Ayton. Like the Warriors just don't allow you to do that because um, they just play five really solid defenders basically at all times. Like the guy you would want to pick on is probably Jordan Poole, but they just kind of try to avoid having to put him in any of these pick and roll scenarios. And um, the thing that I think is so wild, and I'm like almost mad at the Suns that they couldn't figure out how to beat this Mavs team because Kavon Looney is going for like 20 and 10. He went for 21 and 10 in game two. Like, Kavon Looney is just – it's not his game. Like, he is not there to score the basketball. Really not even there. Barely played the first couple series because they just didn't like the matchup for him. And the Mavs have no answer for him down low because they have no rim protection. And it just makes me think, like, the Suns, like, you have DeAndre Ayton, who's, like, a walking 17-10, and 10, former number one overall pick, and you couldn't have him do this against this team. So if he's going to play like that for Golden State – I just don't know if the Mavs have enough to beat them. I mean, game two, and the I'll give out my my bet my best bet in this game later, but I'm taking the Warriors plus uh I got them at plus three in this game. Lines moved down to two and a half. But Warriors are underdogs. Yeah. I'm very surprised, dude. I was very surprised after the way games one and two went that they they were dogs in this spot. Um but like Dallas has been good at home. I'm not gonna like they, they've been great, and obviously Luca is great. But game two, and I know you probably didn't get a chance to watch, but it could have it went it went every possible thing that could have happened right for the Mavs in the first half happened. They hit 14 threes in the first half. Doncic and Brunson combined for like 50 points. They're up 19, and they still lose the game. And they finished the game hitting 21 threes on like 46% shooting. And they won the turnover battle. Like everything you could have said, like the Mavs have to do this, this, and this went right. And the Warriors still blitzed them in the second half. And they just had no answer for them. And so for me, like if this game, if Dallas wins this game, I think it's going to be a close game. So I don't mind getting the Warriors like with three, like you're going to give me three points. I think the Warriors probably should have been favored in this game. So I will gladly take that. Um, but yeah, it's just Dallas, like they've put themselves in a spot in these playoffs, like time and time again, where it's like somehow they're winning these, they're winning games, like against teams that seem, I mean, the jazz, when they didn't have Luke, when, uh, the Mavs didn't have Luka seemed to be the better team. Mavs still won the Suns. Everybody thought best team in the NBA, like they're going to be the Mavs, the Mavs win. I just don't think the Warriors, like they just they don't look phased at all. Like Phoenix got blitzed in game seven by the Mavs and it was like, Oh, this game's over. Like we're checking out basically in the second quarter, the Warriors were down 19, like the entire second quarter. And you just felt like they were like a couple buckets away from making it a game. And then like five minutes into the second half, it's like, Oh, it's a four point game now. So I just don't know if the Mavs have, have enough on offense outside of Luca to end up winning this game. And, and even especially winning this series. I agree. 
<laughs> I feel like the Cinderella story for the for the Mavericks is coming to an end. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate because Luca is so fun. Like you almost want to see him continue in the playoffs, but at the same time, like I feel like whoever comes out of the East would probably blitz the Mavs too, just like with their amount of defenders. So like part of me is like get the Mavs out of here so we can get a better finals. And like it's nothing against Luca. It's just like Dallas is literally they're playing like. They are playing, we're going to hit 23s every game, and that's how we're going to win. Like, they're averaging, I think, 16 and three made threes a game in the playoffs. That is so – you talk about live and die by the three. I mean, that they are literally doing that. Like, if they don't hit 12, 13, 14 threes, they have no chance. And it's like, even if they do – they hit 21 in game two, and they, they still lost. Like, there's just only so much you could do at that point, no matter, you know, how good Luka Doncic is. Like, if you just don't have the – the better players, you know, it's like in this series, Luca's probably the best player. And then the Warriors have like the next five best players. And maybe not that because I've thrown Jalen Brunson there, but like they have like four of the next five best players in the series. Like that's, it just makes it so tough to win games that way. Um, and obviously with the, the heat Celtics series kind of flipping on its head uh, with Miami upsetting in game three, I think Warriors could, Put themselves in a nice spot they win tonight gonna have a lot of time off before the finals possibly i like it um all right let's hop into some best bets my man i know you got a, a best bet for uh the pga championship so talk to me what we got yeah a little round for a matchup bet um a little obviously a little shorter odds if you don't if you're already sweating out a pre-tournament ticket for the pga championship or if you don't want to live better if you just want some extra action seamus power minus 115 against Abraham Answer. Abraham Answer is kind of that fifth guy, the first guy outside the kind of top group that can make a, a run uh, to win today. Um, but I'm not a big believer in Abraham Answer this season. He's a guy I've liked to bet on in the past. Um, but he's in a situation uh, where I like to fade these guys when I'm betting on golf. Guys who kind of have sexy names, big names, names that people recognize but like aren't playing well this season because he isn't, even though he's obviously has a chance to win the PGA Championship. This season, ranks 147th in strokes gained tee to green, 128th in strokes gained total, 122nd in approach, one of the worst chippers on tour, 206. Now that hasn't bit him too much this, uh, this event, but uh, chipping is extremely important this event. Watch for that to kind of come back to bite him uh today um and he's kind of faltering off he was very good in the first round pretty solid in the second round uh yesterday like he lost momentum though yesterday uh he still gained some strokes but like he wasn't playing as well as he did the first few rounds um and Seamus Power is doing the opposite he's kind of trending upwards especially with yesterday's round he gained two strokes putting almost a full stroke around the greens over a full stroke approach a stroke and a half off the tee uh, he gained a total of 5.52 strokes uh, on the field yesterday. So Seamus Power is kind of trending upwards as the tournament goes on, and Abraham Answer is kind of trending downwards. And just overall, Seamus Power is better um, has better stats this season. If you look at just total strokes gained, Seamus Power is, is ranks 50th. And like I said earlier, Answer ranks 128th. So I know Answer is the more popular name, is the more known golfer, but this season Seamus Power has been the better golfer, and you can get him at basically pick him odds. Uh, to beat Abraham Answer while he's trending upwards and Answer's trending downwards this tournament. So uh, I think if Abraham Answer didn't have the name that he has, didn't have the recognition that he has, Seamus Power would be like minus 130 in this matchup. But people know who Abraham Answer is. 
Uh, so I'll go ahead and fade him because he's just outside of like the first couple rounds. He's not played well at all this entire season. So I'll go Seamus Power minus 115, a little round four matchup bet today. I like that. How far is uh, Power back? Does he have any chance to win it? Yeah, he's one stroke back of, of answer. So I think they're even, I think they're even, uh, yeah, they're paired up today. So um, okay. yeah, so he's three under, so he's six strokes back. I don't think he has the firepower to come all the way back and kind of and, and win this event, especially he's not exactly a, a big winner on tour, but he could. He's a possible. I think okay. I, I think anyone who's two under or better has a chance to win today. I think once you get to the group of one under guys, I, I, I don't think they, I think they're too far back. Yeah. Because you would need at that point, you would have to play like what five, six under at that point, and hope Pereira stumbles really right. bad. If you're that yeah, game. I think so yeah, that's two tough. under shoot, shoot six on if you can shoot six under, which would be a crazy score at this course, but possible. Get to eight under, I think even if you shoot five under, you get to seven under. I think seven under might have a chance. No, I hope yeah. I hope Matt Fitzpatrick shoots about ten under and can win this sweat free, <laughs> so I can cash my fifty to one ticket, but. Uh, I predicted before the tournament started that the winning score would be nine under. Um, and I could certainly still be right with that. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate that at all. That's, I mean, the fact that like Zalatoris, he was what eight under through two days and then he kind of backtracked yesterday. So like, well, I mean, Roy McElroy was six under uh, after the first round, <laughs> like he'd be, he'd be tied for second place. If he just shot even par of the next two rounds. And then he didn't, he shot a 71 and 74. He's all the way back to even. So he's, Back to square one. Yeah, that's tough. That is tough. Yeah. All that. uh, I feel, dude, I feel like Rory's like due this year. I feel like he's played so many, like he played that great final round at the Masters and then plays the great That's first what people said. And then he shot six under in round one and they're like, oh, here he is. Rory's about to win his first major since 2014. Uh, and and that's this. why tournaments are four rounds long. That's true. Very true. Um, all right. So I'll hop into my best bet. Looking at the Warriors Mavs game, taking Clay Thompson over two and a half assists and this is like a prop that probably never would like see somebody willingly bet clay thompson assists in any way just because it's not his game but you look at look at what clay's done in this series um and the problem i had with him in the first couple rounds was he was taking a lot of shots where i like to describe like he was trying to blow the roof off the building with every one of his shots so he was taking threes where it's like, you know, heat check type of threes or contested threes or these step back, like fadeaway jump shots, where it just felt like if he makes it, it's like, oh my God, especially when they're in Golden State, like this crowd is going to be going crazy. But then when he misses it, you're like, that was a horrible possession. You're like, okay, it's Clay Thompson, so you can't really say that. But it's like, if anybody else on the team not named Steph Curry took that shot, you'd be like, why did he shoot that? So what I've liked is in this series, Clay has been much more selective in terms of the shots he's taken. He started slow in game one and ended up finishing seven for 13. Game two, he was six of 10, scored 15 points in both games. And honestly, that's all the Warriors really need from him right now. They don't need him to go crazy because the Mavs are kind of content with like leaving either Otto Porter or Andrew Wiggins open because they're like, we can't let Clay and Steph beat us. Andrew Wiggins has really stepped up in the series. It's the benefit of Golden State being able to stretch the floor with all five of their guys. So I like this assist prop for Clay because he's had five assists and four assists the first two games of this series. He's had three or more assists in six of his last nine games in the playoffs. And it just comes down to Dallas is blitzing all of these Warriors like back screens. And when they try and get these shots for Stephen Clay, they're blitzing them, which means they're doubling or they're switching and it's leaving guys open. And so far, 
Clay has done a really good job finding guys back door, making the extra pass when they have it there. And guys are knocking down shots. Golden State shot over 56% from the field in the last game. And like I said, Kevon Looney has been huge for them in this series. So if he's going to be able to get easy baskets inside, helps everybody on the team for assist props because anybody who's taking the ball to the rim, Dallas is collapsing. Kevon Looney's getting easy, easy layups at the rim. And the Mavs have no rim protection. So it's not just Kevon Looney. Like anybody going to the basket for Golden State, it's like basically they're, they'll take it every single time because the Mavs aren't blocking any shots. So they don't care you know, that it's not a great matchup of like Jordan Poole going at a seven footer because they don't have to deal with that in this series. So I like this spot for Clay. I think he's he's a little underrated as a playmaker um, in this series. Minus 120 odds, not too bad um, for this prop. So that's my best bet for this one. Do you have any thoughts on that one, Ian? I like it. Hopefully this will be the classic clay game where he takes 25 shots and scores 40 points and he doesn't pass the ball once. I'll be like, ah, all right. But no, it it feels like he's a, they've been asking him to move the ball a little bit more. So I, I do like that for sure. Um, And that that's basically our show guys, but good news. Ian and I back tomorrow, daily bet slip 5 PM Eastern time. going to talk some more NBA NHL playoffs. Maybe talk some NFL. You never know. We're going to get into to a bunch of stuff tomorrow. So tune in with us tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern time, Daily Bet Slip. Ian will also be on after for green on the greens, I believe, at 6 p.m., correct? Yes. So got a jam-packed day for you all tomorrow. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Good luck with all of your bets on Sunday, and we will talk to you all soon.